Welcome to the Van Lanschot Kempen podcast. Allocating to real assets, art or science. First, a statement. Before we start, I would like to point out that this podcast is made for professional investors and for information purposes only. It provides insufficient information for an investment decision and does not contain investment advice. The value of investments and the income from investments can fall as well as rise and are not guaranteed. Investors may not receive the amount originally invested. Now we have that behind us. Welcome uh, Peter Heiboer, Head of uh, Investment Strategy and uh, Research. My name is uh, Jens Poepjes and I'm your uh, moderator for this uh, podcast today. Hi Jens, thanks for the invite. Pleasure to be here. Happy to have you here. So let's uh, immediately uh, dive into this uh, into this podcast. Um, let's let's start by unraveling what the what and why is behind alternative investments, and specifically also real assets. So, what are alternative assets and real assets, and why do we invest in them? Yeah, good question, Jens. I would say alternative assets are all investments other than plain vanilla bonds and shares that everybody knows. Uh, these can be liquid and illiquid. They can be tangible and intangible and range from houses to very esoteric assets like art or whiskey. Alternatives have continued to move into the mainstream over the last years. Alternative landscape has, I would say, a few larger building blocks. You can think of alternative credit, private equity and real assets. And real assets, of course, is the topic for today. Real assets are tangible physical assets that possess intrinsic value from the utility function. Namely, think of infrastructure, uh, think of bridges or electricity grids, uh, real estate, housing or logistics buildings, and farmland, uh, annual crops or permanent yeah. crops. So you can basically touch what you're investing in. Correct, yeah. And to invest in alternative assets, you would mainly think of the, the, the following objectives. Think of enhancing returns compared to traditional assets, improving your diversification in your portfolio, and the possibility to embed sustainability in your investments. Yeah, so these these are the uh, the reasons why you would invest into into alternative assets. Okay, yeah. that's that's clear. Thank you. Um, you specifically mentioned uh, real assets. Why would I invest in them, and uh, what makes them unique, Peter? Yeah, so there's a few distinctive characteristics of real assets compared to financial assets, like stocks and bonds. You can think of tangible physical assets, as I mentioned, uh, that possess intrinsic value from the utility function. Think of bridges, for instance. Um, another reason is that most of these assets provide some form of inflation protection. And that's, of course, very helpful in the current environment where we see elevated inflation. And thirdly, I would say it has different return drivers than most financial assets have. Okay. Um, let's let's dive uh, a bit deeper into the uh, complexity of alternative assets. Uh, um, you mentioned the advantages. Um, I assume that there are also uh, challenges uh, when investing into uh, alternative asset classes. Can you, uh, can you tell me a bit more about them? Yeah, sure. So we would see mostly four main challenges. First is probably illiquidity. So most of these assets are, are less liquid than your traditional investments, um, either because they are uh, in a fund that is invested for the next seven years and there's no intermediate liquidity, 
uh, or because there's no secondary market where you can sell these investments. Secondly, um, these alternative assets tend to be operationally slightly more complex. And that has to do with their valuation, commitments, capital calls, but also intermediate cash flows. Thirdly, uh, there's a larger dispersion of returns within alternative assets when compared to traditional assets. Therefore, manager selection is crucial. And fourthly, these alternative assets tend to be less regulated than traditional assets, and hence there is less of a safety net for investors investing in alternative assets. Okay, that's uh, th- that's clear. Um, of course, we need to do something with this, uh, with these challenges. We see uh, these these objectives or these these disadvantages coming back with uh, the institutional investors we speak to a lot. Um, how does VLK help institutional investors with with managing these disadvantages when investing in into alternative assets? Yeah, so indeed, these challenges we hear uh, we hear frequently. And hence, we have developed this alternative investment solutions proposition, where we provide advice, selection, and investment on behalf of clients in a wide range of alternative asset classes. This may sound a bit theoretical, but I'm going to give you a few items, uh, a few steps, whereby we define the AIS proposition. First step is strategic advice. Second is manager selection. Third is structuring and implementation. And the fourth is monitoring and reporting. And why, why, how does this help investors? Yeah, so there's there's a, a, a range of elements that we see that provide the added value for clients when using this AIS proposition. Firstly, tailored strategic advice. Secondly, open-end investment solutions with a low minimum entry and transparent fees. Best-in-class managers that we select for them. And fourthly, institutional quality, portfolio management, and reporting. Yeah. So these these this added value of the of the services they uh, they basically try to mitigate the disadvantages that we see. Uh, yeah. Correct. Okay. Um, and you you mentioned uh, reporting, uh, but you also mentioned it's an intransparent uh, asset class. Um, that's an an interesting angle. How do you uh, provide? Meaningful reports. How does VLK do, do that? For example, for uh, for real estate, for real estate funds. Yeah. So for um, with the AIS proposition, we like our clients to be in full control of their investments. So we deliver the transparency as much as we can through high quality reporting. This means that we we'll also provide, for instance, look through to single buildings. That's quite unique. Collect additional information about these buildings valuations and also describe current market situation and follow that closely. Okay, so despite these funds being uh, being alternative, there's, I guess, not a lot of information available. We still have the single buildings within the fund available. Yeah, correct. Okay, interesting. Um, uh, diving a bit deeper into uh, into this proposition and then specifically into, uh, into real assets, um, so you explained the four steps, your theoretical part, uh, being a manager selection is uh, the second, uh, the third was uh, structuring and implementation, and the fourth, uh, monitoring and reporting. I think these three are relatively easy to understand. The first one I'd like to dive a bit deeper into, strategic advice, slightly uh, more complicated. What what does it entail? What how How do we give strategic advice to our institutional investors? Yeah, sure. Uh, the objective of strategic advice is to embark with the client 
on a journey to discover their preferences and to ensure that the ultimate solutions matches their preference. Topics you can think of that we discuss with clients uh, are, for instance, their return objective, their risk tolerance, liquidity budget, uh, if they want to invest through a fund or through a mandate, which asset classes we recommend within real assets uh, at certain points in time. And for instance, within that, within each asset class, which region or which sector or which risk style to favor. And lastly, but very important, is of course how important it is for the client to invest sustainably and or focus on impact investing within these asset classes. Okay, this is, um, this is still relatively high level. Can you give some examples related to, uh, to real assets? And, and when uh, allocating to real assets, do you think it's then more science or is it also art? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Jens. I'll, um, I'll first describe a few elements that we look at when, when advising uh, strategically. I think there's a few elements that come back uh, across the asset class. So within real assets, we see three main asset classes. Farmland, infrastructure and real estate. Mm -hmm. And across these asset classes, they each have their risk profiles. And risk profile you could see as, for instance, core versus opportunistic. Core is lower risk investments that are generally invested in to generate income. Whereas opportunistic investments are typically higher risk investments that are more invested in to provide capital growth. Now, there's also some differences between these three asset classes. Mm -hmm. And you could think of, for instance, liquidity. There is in real estate, there are several open-ended funds where you can relatively easily access and get out again. Whereas actually in infrastructure and farmland, that is much more difficult. Leverage, for instance, is higher in infrastructure than it tends to be in real estate and farmland. It also comes with potentially higher returns, of course. Then uh, lastly, I would say the complexity is, tends to also be slightly higher in infrastructure, given that there is a very wide mix of sectors within infrastructure that each have their own metrics and, and specifics. And these, these are the dimensions you advise clients on then within real assets. You, you embark Correct. on this journey on what they, where their preferences are. Correct. We explore with clients what their preferences are and how that fits in their portfolios as well. So is it more an art or a science? Yes. That's, of course, the question. I would say it's both. So it's a science in the sense that we have a lot of data and measurement that we can apply. And in that sense, we, we can have some feeling for uh, the future as well. It's also an art, of course, because uh, preferences are also um, uh, subjective. individual, subjective, yeah. and, and hence, it's also a bit of an art, I would say. Okay. So a mixture would be my Interesting. Um, um, you, you mentioned sustainability earlier on. Uh, sustainability is a hot topic currently. Um, a lot of regulation uh, coming our side uh, on on sustainability. Um, it's uh, it's uh, an important topic for the institutional investors we speak to. How do you implement sustainable investing specifically within real assets, Peter? Yeah. So if I if I come back to the three asset class that we see in real assets, for instance, by looking at real estate, I think most people know that when investing sustainably in real estate. You'd probably think of investing in, in greenifying buildings. If you look at it for an example in infrastructure, I think many people have solar panels on their roof 
and hence uh, investing in solar parks or wind farms can be an example of investing sustainably in infrastructure. But I would want to uh, give a bit more attention to farmland, actually. In the future, we need to produce food for probably 10.5 billion people globally. And today we only have 8.5 billion people in the world. So that's a huge increase in population, actually, which probably requires a 75% increase in farmland production, which is a lot, of course. Meanwhile, a third of our farmland is severely degraded, and fresh water, phosphorus, and fertile soil are on the decline. We're reaching our planetary boundaries. And as investors, we can invest in applying certain regenerative techniques to bring back life in the soil, to solve a lot of these issues, and have a strong impact. Regenerative farming focuses on things like crop diversity, so avoiding monoculture, less use of chemicals, avoiding erosion, adding biodiversity strips, and making the ecosystem increasingly circular. This way, we can make impact and generate attractive financial returns for our investors. That's uh, interesting. I've uh, I've read a bit and saw a bit on on regenerative farming. There are a few uh, documentaries on that side. So thanks for alluding uh, uh, on it, uh, Peter. Thanks a lot for your uh, for your presence today and for sharing your expertise and insight on alternative investments and specifically on on, on real assets. Um, and of course, also alluding a bit uh, to the Van Lanschot Kempen services around uh, alternative investment solutions. Any any last thoughts on your side? Thanks, Jess. It was fun to be here. And uh, maybe a few last thoughts. Uh, as mentioned, alternatives continue to move to the mainstream, but there are various challenges for investors. And with AIS and look-through reporting, we help you manage these challenges. And I believe that VOK is well-placed to guide investors on their alternatives journey from the beginning until the end. Great. Thank you, Peter, for being here. It was a pleasure uh, to do this podcast with you. Um, I think we uh, touched upon uh, some very interesting topics around alternative investments, uh, real assets, and on uh, in, in which way VOK helps investors uh, investing into these asset classes and specifically uh, real assets. If you found this topic interesting, please contact us or uh, visit our website at uh, vanlanschotkempen.com. Mm-hmm.